brought your handout with you this morning, this would be a good time to take it out, the white insert inside your um, bulletin this morning, because we're going to zero in on one of our favorite verses in the entire Bible. It's from 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verses 13 through 18. It's the end of the chapter, because it's so filled with hope for our lives. What we're talking about this whole season here has been finding hope, finding hope. And this really talks about when hope is needed the most is when it is tested. And when is it tested the most? When someone dies, when someone passes away, when someone you love is gone from this life, you have a testing of what do you really believe in? Where is your faith really lie? Where is your hope? when your hope is tested. And all of us have that opportunity and to talk about it today because these early believers that the Apostle Paul was writing to had people in their lives that were passing away. And so they had huge question marks led to huge, um, led to huge wonderings, testings of their, of their hope. See, early in the book, the Apostle Paul, chapter 1, verse 3, he says, hope brings perseverance. So how are we going to persevere in our spiritual life, in our Christian walk, in our daily devotional life with the Lord and our leadership under him that we lead others to, unless we have huge doses of hope? He says, hope leads to perseverance. And the number one thing we need to do is persevere in our, in our hope. So notice what he says here. Read this with me here if you want. Follow along. Brothers and sisters, we do not want you to be uninformed about those who sleep in death so that you do not grieve like the rest of mankind who have no hope. For we believe that Jesus died and rose again. And we believe that God will bring with Jesus those who have fallen asleep in him. According to the Lord's word, we tell you that we who are still alive, who are left until the coming of the Lord, will certainly not precede those who've fallen asleep. For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command, with the voice of the archangel and with the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. After that, we who are still alive and are left will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will be with the Lord forever. Therefore, encourage one another with these words. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for this specific passage of Scripture. Thank you for the hope that just leaps off the page into our hearts. Lord, I pray that you would unfold it to our lives, to our minds, to our hearts today, that we would be um, greatly encouraged by your word today. Open it up, Lord, as we trust you. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, jot some of these things down, if you would, because we're going to look at focusing on the resurrection. That'd be a, a blank to fill in, if you, if you wish, as we think about this, and you can study further on your own. You see, what had happened as the Apostle Paul planted this church 
in this little community called Thessalonica. It was a crossroads of industry and commerce and culture. And he was there for three specific weeks, for three Sabbaths. He taught them every day, every week. He'd teach them and he'd teach them. And he planted a church in those three weeks. But the church was fairly weak. It was fairly uninformed. It had a lot of questions and wondering. So the Apostle Paul was concerned about them. He did not get an opportunity to disciple them as much as he wanted. So as he uh, hears back from Timothy, he hears that they've got some questions. They're being um, driven crazy about some things. So here's what happened. The Apostle Paul had taught them about the Lord's second coming. You all know about the Lord's second coming. He came first. He was incarnated. He went on the cross to die for our sins. He was buried. He rose again. He ascended into heaven, and he always said, I'm coming back for you. And Paul taught that in those three weeks. He taught him really, really well. <laughs> but then, over the course of a couple of years, people in the church got sick. Some of them died. And so in their minds, they weren't clear. Okay, so these people died. We're waiting for the Lord to come back, and they missed it. They, they, they lost out. And Paul's like, no, 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 no. You, you're not getting the whole picture. I was only able to give you a portion of what I'm all excited about. So this passage of Scripture is written to come back to them that they would not be uninformed about those who have slept in the Lord, those who sleep in death. He says, I want you to know the full facts. I want you to know the big story, the big picture. Because in essence, it's inspiring. It's encouraging. It's something you can live your life by. And in focusing on resurrection. You know, what we're, what we're talking about here is when someone dies, you grieve differently when you have hope. And when they have hope, that's the whole point. He says, these are ones who sleep in death. I do not want you to be uninformed about those who sleep in death. See, Paul's using this um, common phraseology to, to, to signify what death really is. In ways, your body is asleep because it's going to come back to life in a resurrection, in a resurrection. We're focusing in this passage on the believer's resurrection. We have the opportunity to be informed about someone who's died and their resurrection. Every person who's died in Christ or asleep uh, in Christ have the opportunity to raise from the dead. That's where we keep informed. Jot this one down. Grieving, but not grieving like those who don't have hope. Right? We grieve differently than the rest of mankind. There's grieving that is unconsolable, and there is grieving that is filled with hope. A close friend of mine described the situation when he was 10. He opened the... Uh, pocket door on his uh, house's bathroom and there in the bathroom was his mother just weeping and wailing and sobbing 
And what had happened is her dad, his grandpa, had passed away. They had no hope of eternal life. In her mind, in his mind, in their minds, he had rejected every opportunity to receive Christ. And his mom was just bawling her eyes out. She had just become a Christian. She had just made a commitment to Christ. And in that young 10-year-old's mind, there was an impression made about those who don't have hope and how you grieve when there is no hope. <laughs> he, he, says, he says, I want to forward the clock ahead about 23 years because his mom's mom passed away 23 years later. And during those 23 years, he had, his mom had had a chance to share Christ with her mom. And at age 62, his, uh, her mom, his grandma, had accepted Christ and begun to have a hope bred in her heart and her life. And so the grieving was massively, radically, totally different between her grieving they did for her grandfather and the grieving they did for, her, for his grandmother. Not because the people were any less important, but because the hope was radically different. Are you catching that? In one case, you're going, oh, that hurts so deeply. And in the other case, there's a rejoicing and a hope and an encouragement. We don't grieve like those who have no hope. We grieve. Now, remember what the Bible says? The shortest verse in the Bible, right? Jesus wept. He wept when he saw death. He wept when Lazarus died, even though he knew that eventually he was going to raise Lazarus even from the bodily death that he'd gone through. He still wept. He grieved. There was sorrow. Death itself can cause us. We, we can look at the, the, the result and the consequence of sin in this world, and you go, it is grievous. It hurts. But we don't grieve as if there was no future, as if there was no hope, as if we did not have this key ingredient when hope is tested. Do we have the hope of Jesus Christ? A hope that is not like the rest of mankind. This is a good place to just tell you. If you're not hoping in Jesus, if you're hoping in anything else, if you're hoping in your own goodness, give it up. The only one who is good enough is Jesus Christ. If you're hoping in your parentage, oh, I was raised in a great family. That's good. Praise God. That's not the essence of the hope we're talking about today. It's in the person, the life, death, burial, resurrection, and ascension of Jesus. If you're hoping because you live in a Christian country like America, that somehow that's going to bring your salvation, bag that noise. Don't trust in that. Only trust in Jesus Christ. That's where the hope is. Everything else, the Bible says, ends up in an endless life. In Christ, it ends up with an endless hope. Radically different. Grieving with hope. It's been a challenging year. It's been a challenging couple of years. It's been a challenging four or five years for me. Just because Lydia's mom passed away. My dad passed away at 80 a couple years back. 
Lydia's brother buried him. This year, my sister, we buried her. It's like, <sighs> lots of death. We're coming in this morning, greeting one of our sisters. She, she like had two close deaths in her, just this week. Oh, death is a part of life. Death is going to happen. We ask ourselves the question, though, are we grieving? Fortunately, praising God, each one of those deaths were those that had said, I put my trust, my faith, my hope in Jesus. Grieve, but there's a sense of hope in the midst of all of that. See, Jesus and his resurrection is our model. It's our example. It's the first fruits, the Bible says, of the resurrection. It's the first fruits from among those who are born again. Jesus is the model. In fact, some people, well, what are we going to be like when we come back to resurrected life? You're going to be like Jesus. His resurrected body can give you some hints about what your resurrected body is going to be like. You know, amazing amazing and here's what it says for we believe that jesus died and he rose again i mean that's the basis of the christian faith if you're not trusting in the death life death burial and resurrection of jesus you're missing the gospel that's what we believe that's the essence it's not being a good person it's not doing the right things it's not obeying all the rules those are those are good things but that's not what christianity that's not what a relationship with god is based on. It's based on the life, the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus. He says, since we believe that, we believe that God will bring Jesus with, uh, with those who have fallen asleep in him. He's coming back. So it's not just his ascension. It doesn't end there. What did Jesus say? He says, I go to prepare a place for you and he says, if I go to prepare a place for you, that means I'm coming back. Uh, it's not just a one-sided thing. It's just like the, the bridegrooms back in the old Jewish days would go back to their father's house and build a new wing to the mansion, build a new wing on the house, and then go get the bride. And he said, I'm, I'm going to build the house, and I'm coming back for you, sweetheart, and I'm going to take you to my house that you could always be with me. That's the picture. Jesus gave. He said, I'm going to prepare a place for you. In my father's house are many mansions, and I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place, you're the bride. The church is the bride. I'm coming back for you. I'm coming back, sweetheart, that you could always be with me forever. That's the hope we have. He says, he will bring with him, God will bring with Jesus those who have fallen asleep. Notice the phrase, in him. In him. Anybody who's in Christ, anyone who's in Jesus, all those that are his loved ones, his church, his bride are in Christ. In him. Are you? Are you in Christ? This is not a promise made to just the Old Testament heroes. This is those who are in Christ, specifically, who have fallen asleep in him. Acts chapter 7 talks about Stephen dying. And there's this idea that as Stephen died, his body went to sleep. But his soul 
was with the Lord. In fact, you get this picture that he was immediately translated to the presence of Jesus. Jesus stood up at the Father's right hand and, and looked, and it's, it's this picture that as he left this earth, there was an opportunity to be with the Lord. Jesus is our model. He's our example. He's the picture of the firstborn from the dead, the first resurrection. Well, let's shift for a moment. Think with me about uh, the word relationships. Two things I've been saying almost every week, two things that last forever, two things that are eternal, the word of God and the souls of people. The word of God abides forever. The grass withers, the forest fades, but the word of God goes on forever. Here he says, according to the Lord's word. According to the Lord's own word, this is the truth. This is going to last forever. God's word is eternal. More than his word just being eternal, souls of people are eternal. Do you believe that? Now, our world is teaching us and discipling us to the exact opposite. Uh, the world wants us to believe that the, the, the stuff of life is lasting forever. In fact, it wants to put our hope in the things of this world. Don't do it. It's a trap. <laughs> it's only the souls of people. We who are still alive, who are left until the coming of the Lord, will certainly not precede those who have fallen asleep. For he will come down from heaven with a loud command. That's the first thing. There's a loud command. It's the picture of an um, officer in the military as they call the troops to attention. Say, attend, hut! And all the troops wake up or get up or stand up or salute or prepare themselves because they're ready. It's a loud command. The military for, force. Think about it for a minute. Jesus, everyone who's gone before us, everyone who's laying in the grave, everyone who's died is commanded. And there's this loud command. What else is there? The voice of the archangel. Now, the Bible pictures for us uh, Michael, the archangel. I mean, think about it for a minute. This, we don't know what he says here in this voice. It's probably, well, back in this uh, time of this era when this was written, the town crier would go ahead of the king as the king was coming to a community, and he would walk through the, 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 the streets. The king is coming! The king is coming. Get ready. And people would stream out of their houses and out of their barns and out of their fields because the king was coming. I could see Michael the archangel, just worldwide awareness. The king is coming. A loud voice. Mark our, our archangels. Um, and then the trumpet call of that. Doo, 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 doo. And think about it for a minute. Something that the entire globe hears at the same time. Now, up until recently, everybody had a hard time conceiving that there could be the kind of communication that would be global. Now, people from far side of the country 
are stealing our information <laughs> in a global communication network. I don't think the Lord needs the internet to uh, tell us about it, but it just does make us conceive things differently, doesn't it? Yeah, world all at once. Simultaneously, God calls us to attention. He lets us know the king is coming. Jesus Christ, the groom, has come for the bride. Get your eyes set. In fact, it, it speaks of the clouds. He's coming in the clouds, which often represents the presence of God, the presence of Christ envisioned in a cloud. But I don't know about you, but I just look at physical clouds sometimes and just dream that the clouds are parted, just like when Jesus went up into heaven, that he's coming back for his bride. Well, last night I'm coming home from my youngest grandson's two-year-old birthday. Don't you love two-year-old birthday parties? It's kind of one of those smash face cake things, you know. Uh, it was a blast, but we're driving home, and I'm looking up at the clouds, and there's this one of those times where you just see the rays kind of come through, and it just makes your heart go, whoa, that's cool. I don't, you know, it just makes you go, he could come at any moment, at any time, in the blink of an eye, the Bible says. In fact, it says in the twinkle, not even the blink, but a twinkle. You see, this very public, this very public picture of Jesus' return leaves no one wondering, well, I wonder if the Lord came back. I mean, the picture you get here is everybody's going to know at one and the same time and have the opportunity to praise God. The king is coming. And uh, those that have taken the earlier train are still in the destination. We might be those who are waiting. Sometimes I think every generation has thought that they would be the generation that was here on the earth when the Lord came back. 2,000 years. We've been having generation after generation assuming, and maybe it's because we don't really want to go through death, you know, I think it was uh, Woody Allen who said something crazy like, it's not death that bothers me, it's just I don't want to be there when it happens, yeah. you know, and I think there's that thought in all of our minds, it's like, death is the tough part, but you know, just like birth leads us from pregnancy into this life, Death is that opportunity that leads us into eternal life. Why are we afraid of this canal, this death canal, any more than we're afraid of the birth canal that leads us to what's really like? This life is a foretaste of the life that is to come. This life is so temporary in comparison to eternity that lasts forever. This life is momentary and the life to come is eternal. God's got such a plan in, 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 um, in store for us. Focus on resurrection. Focus on relationships. And focus on reunions. Focus on reunions. Because here, here's the idea that makes it so different. When you experience the death of a loved one and you know they're in Christ, and you know you're in Christ. There's this joyous opportunity to reunite. Are you catching that? That's where the hope really lies. So that we're not just saying goodbye, goodbye forever. We're saying good night, 
see you in the morning. Right? That's the critical, hopeful difference between believers and non-believers, between those who are trusting in Christ for their salvation. After that, we who are still alive and are left will be caught up together with them. Underline that. Together with them. Underline that. Together with them. (laughs) Isn't that good news? There is a reuniting together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. Together with them in the clouds. It's not just the parting of the clouds and the Lord comes back. We meet them together. (laughs) Together with them in the clouds. And so we will be with the Lord always. Think about this for a minute. As uh, Brent, I think that's frozen. As you uh, think about, first of all, it's with other people, with others. Jot that down. Together with others. Okay, that's the, the point. In fact, I put down this First Corinthian passage, First Corinthians 15. Listen, I will tell you a mystery. I'll tell you a mystery. We will not all sleep, but we will all be changed. In a flash, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, same phraseology here, for the trumpet will sound and the dead in Christ will be raised imperishable and we will all, we will be changed. Like I was telling Chuck about this one time, there's a, a nursery that has this passage uh, engraved above the, the nursery. It says, we will not all sleep, but we will all be changed. Think about it for a minute. Okay. It's a groaner, I know, I know. Oh. But think about it for a minute. We'll all be changed in a flash, in the, tw- the twinkling of an eye. Now, that's quicker than a blink. Everybody blink for a minute. You know how fast a blink is, right? Twinkling, a, a twinkling of an eye is faster than a blink. It's when, uh, when light catches your eye and reflects back. I mean, we're talking nanosecond. I mean, one minute you're baking cookies... The next minute, you're flying through the air. You know, one minute, you're in the shower. The next minute, you're blow-dried at 30,000 feet. You know? <laughs> one minute, you're with the family. The next minute, you're pulling their arms. They let's go. You know? A nanosecond. I mean, we're talking that. See, see, time is only relevant while you're on the planet. I mean, time and space, we understand that because we're here. But guess what? The picture we get of heaven and eternity, there is no time and there is no space and we can't even think outside those boxes, right? But just for a minute, try to think outside the box. No time and no space, one eternal now. Amazing. That's why it's so dangerous for to, to go with the, the thens and well, then this and then that and then this happens and then thousand years and then seven years. We do the thens and it's like, wait a minute. That's all based on our time frame. Don't read into eternity our time frame. You know, that's a big mistake. In the Lord's economy, the Bible says, to the Lord, a thousand years is like a day. And a day is like what? A thousand years. It's it's not the same. Don't, the Lord's only been gone two days. Two thousand years. Second coming. You know, we look for it soon. This uh, together with others is going to be, will be raised, the Bible says, imperishable. But more than hanging out with other believers, even other family members, 
other people you love. Here's the key to heaven. Here's the key thing that drives us to heaven. We're to be with the Lord forever. It's not about hanging out with each other. That's, that's kind of the secondary party. The most important part, what's heaven about? It's where the Lord is. It's where the Lord is. Yes, we are of good courage and would rather be away from the body. We call that death, asleep in the body, and at home with the Lord. The King James Version puts it this way. We are confident, and this I say, willing rather to be absent from the body and to be present with the Lord. So there's this immediate to be absent from the body. That's the kind of thing we can hang on to, folks. That's the kind of thing that can build such hope inside us that we just joyfully say, yes, Lord, that's what I'm focusing on, the reunion with the Lord forever, forever. Think about it for a minute. Sometimes we put such a focus on on hell. But if you think about it, if people choose to be away from God, they're invited to a relationship with God and they say, no, thank you. I want nothing to do with him. He'll keep inviting himself. He'll, He'll keep knocking on the door. And if they keep saying, no, thank you. I want nothing to do with him. And you think about, what are you saying you want nothing to do with? Love? So what's the opposite of love? Well, some would say hate or indifference or, yeah. Peace? The Lord's peace? What's the opposite of peace? We'd say torture. War? Joy? What's the opposite of joy? You start going through the list and you go, well, that's picturing hell. Yep. Yep. It's not so much that God sends people to hell, but God's not going to force people to accept and to be with him if they say, I want nothing to do with him. Or with, you know, say it directly to God, with you. And so people's choice sends them a place that is the opposite of where God is. This is the place for the believer, which says, I want to be with the Lord forever. I want to be where love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and gentleness all abide forever. Yeah. What's it called? Heaven. The Lord will come down from heaven. Oh, we need to focus more on that. Are you excited about heaven? (laughs) When Jesus looked at the thief on the cross and said, today you'll be with me in paradise. And I believe the moment, the nanosecond, his life was over, he fulfilled that promise Jesus made. That day, he was with Jesus in paradise. And oh, for every believer, we have that promise. I've had the chance to to look believers in the eye, in the face, as they left this earth and went to their heavenly home. And yeah, it's not like grieving like those who have no hope. Every year I have to do a number of death notifications as a volunteer chaplain. And I see every time the difference between giving a death notification to someone who has hope and giving a death notification to someone who has no hope. Fulfillment right here. The the, the plan is that we would be joyfully reunited with our loved ones. To be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. 
So let me just end on this one, together with the Lord. Focus on repetition. Repetition, the key to learning, right? Repetition, the key to learning. He says, I want you to do this with this little bit of information I've given you, Thessalonian church. I want you to just repeat it and over and over. Encourage one another with these words. Tell one another regularly in an encouraging way. When was the last time you used the second coming of Christ to encourage somebody? See, that ought to be a regular thing out of our mouth. (laughs) We ought to be regularly encouraging one another with these words. What are words? Words about the Lord's love. Words about the Lord's eternity. But words about the Lord's future. Words in essence in one word, hope. Hope. Our hope that is in Jesus. Do you encourage? One of you know that's my favorite word. Some of you know that. Encourage. In fact, that phrase, encourage one another. Encourage one another. Encourage one another. Could you guys just kind of humor me for a minute and just say those three words together? Encourage one another. Oh, come on. Encourage one another. No, come on, a little louder. Encourage one another with these words. With these words. God wants us to be a believing group. So when someone's facing death, like I said, this sister today had two deaths in her family this week or in her, in her friends and family. You know, what are you doing to encourage one another? Or do you, oh, I don't want to talk about that. Oh, that's a downer. I don't, I'm, I'm into positive things. I don't want to talk about death. Of course, here we are on a Father's Day talking about death. How appropriate. Because dads, every one of us are going the way of the grave. <laughs> what a focus we should have on the eternal, right? What a legacy we ought to leave. And we should be encouraging one another with the words of eternity regularly. Those who believers are facing death, we should be encouraging them. What about those who have stewardship challenges? Like this couple who said <laughs> they had this figure in their mind, you know? Or another sister who came to me and said, I, I don't have enough money for a puzzle. Could, could I combine with somebody else? Could I team with somebody else to get a puzzle piece? Oh, you bet. You bet. Should we be encouraging biblical stewardship? Do what you've got with what God's given you, and he's going to multiply it. Don't lay up for yourself. What did Jesus say? Matthew 6. Don't lay up for yourself treasures on earth where moth and rust and thieves destroy and steal. He said, lay up for yourself treasures in heaven. See, that's, what I, that's where we ought to be encouraging each other. When you see somebody with biblical stewardship, punch them in the arm and say, good job. Way to go, because that's eternal. That's everlasting. That helps get the population of heaven up. Second thing, for those that are serving Christ. Now, you know if people are serving Christ or not. Are your kids serving the Lord or serving themselves? When you see somebody serving the Lord, what do you say? Well, watch out. You might get hurt. You know, churches can, they're full of people and people are sinners. And you might, I hear negative all the time. When what I want to hear, what we need to hear is what this verse says. Encourage one another with these words. Yeah, 
So it's not a waste of a week to go to camp. You know, get up there and love kids to Jesus. Because he says, when you labor in the Lord, it's not ever in vain. Because it's full of hope and courage reaching out to the lost. Whenever someone is sharing their faith, what do you do? Look the other way or do you jump in? Say, yeah, let's talk about the Lord. Yeah, let's talk about heaven. In fact, sometimes the celebration of life for someone is the most optimal time to share your faith and your love for Jesus. One last one. We got Caleb and Caitlin here. We got our whole team to help us practice for heaven. Because you know what's going on in heaven, right? Worship around the throne. Day and night. Are you passionate about that? If the presence of God is not uh, appealing to you now in worship, you might have a hard time. God might just save you from heaven so you don't get upset with the worship. Or maybe you need to just practice, practice, practice worshiping here and now and encourage one another. That's what it's all about. Focus on repeating, repeating, repeating. Worship. Someone has said it's a lot like uh, when you leave a voicemail for someone and they say, I'll call you back when I get a chance. Now, if you trust that person, it might be five minutes later, it might be five hours later, it might be five days later, it might be five months later. But as you trust in them, you say, I know that person and they say what they mean. They're going to call me back. And it's the same when we think about the Lord, when he says, I am coming back. It might be five minutes, it might be five days, it might be five years, but he's coming back. Are you ready? Are you trusting? Are you putting your hope in nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness? Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, thank you for your grace in our lives, for your love for us, that you give us a hope that is unending. You give us a hope that is so full that even when it's tested, even when life is taken from this earth, we trust in you for our eternity. Thank you for the focus that uh, we can make in that. Thank you for challenging us to encourage one another with these words. May these words today be inspiring and encouraging that this Father's Day would be focused on you, our Father. In Jesus' name, amen.